Section 18 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes. Letters 54, 55, and 56. Letter 54. Williamsburg, Virginia. May 11, 1862. We are now encamped on a large field just outside the city and close to William and Mary College. I have had a chance to look the city over a little and find it a very homelike, cozy little burg. It is one of the oldest towns in the United States, with many nice buildings and ancient residences of the old Virginia gentry. The college is the oldest in America. Washington, Scott, and many other famous men were educated here. On the college grounds is a rather badly kept marble statue of Lord Berkeley, one of the old colonial governors of Virginia. The women here are the most rabid of all secessionists, fairly venomous. Yesterday one of them, entirely unprovoked, hissed out to Gunnison, You vile wretch! Gunny kept thinking it over and getting madder and madder, until today he stormed up to the house and demanded satisfaction of the head of the household. The old man regretted the unfortunate incident and politely invited Gunnison to make the house his home while in town, and Gunnison came back to camp not quite determined whether he had won or lost. Most of the public buildings here are being used as hospitals, full of wounded rebels. I suppose they enjoyed the parade of Yankees when our army passed through here, an almost uninterrupted stream of men for three days. The gayest sight was when a regiment of 1,600 lancers went by. The reps left a few cannon here, and in some places quantities of shells, which they evidently could not take along with them. They also planted torpedoes in places, and a number of men were blown up. Some were discovered before they were stepped on, and it is said that General McClellan has ordered that rebel prisoners be set to work digging them up. We are having glorious weather, clear and sunny, with the birds singing merrily, and it seems rather nice to be in a city again with signs of civilization, albeit slightly ancient and mildewed. We are very comfortably quartered now. The rebels left great numbers of big tents, the old conical Sibleys, which we appropriated, and with only three or four in a tent, we are very far from being crowded. Yesterday afternoon, George Slade and I took a walk down to a little place about two miles from here, called Cottage Creek. It is a delightful bit of a place, where peace reigns in the midst of war. Three or four little cottages, a picturesque old mill with an ancient bridge over the creek, make up as pretty a stage setting as one would see in many a day. Beginning tomorrow, we will have to drill two hours a day as long as we stay here. The general impression is that we will not be here many days, not longer than until the prisoners are sent to some safer place. The Rebs left most of their wounded in our hands, and they have the same care as our own. I had a talk with one of them who was at Bull Run, and it was very interesting to hear him tell of the battle as he saw it. He belongs to a Virginia regiment, and when the war broke out was living near Alexandria. He says he has been at his home since the war. It was lucky for him he was not caught, as his life might have been the forfeit as a spy. One of our missing men of Company G was found in the brush yesterday, 
where he had crawled out of the fight and died. I hear that a lot of our men who were taken at Bull Run have been exchanged and are at Fortress Monroe. Won't we have a jubilee when they get back? As a matter of fact, one at least of these prisoners, George C. Emerson of Company B, joined in season to take part in the fight and was killed. General Grover, who has displaced Nagley as commander of this brigade, has been appointed military governor of this district. I would like to look this region over at my leisure, for a distance of a dozen miles or so. It is so full of historic associations. Jamestown, Captain John Smith, Pocahontas, Powhatan, and various other distinguished residents of the long, long ago. If it were not for home, I think on the whole I should be quite well contented with army life. But I guess this affair will be settled up before long, and when sleighing time comes in New Hampshire, I will be there to help you enjoy it. Letter 55. Camp near Cumberland, Virginia. May 19, 1862. Just where we are camped now, I cannot tell, except that it is in the woods, within four miles of the enemy and nineteen from Richmond. We left our camp at Williamsburg last Thursday morning, and got in here this afternoon. This is a heathenish country, swarming with unpleasant neighbors other than rebels. Day before yesterday, when I aroused from a wayside nap, one of the little snakes, common here but harmless, slid out from under me. I gave a yelp and killed him as if he had been a rattlesnake. I thought I wrote you at the time about Solon Porter. He died at Camp Beaufort, some time before we left there, of apoplexy. He was sitting on his bunk, cracking a nut between his teeth, when he fell back unconscious, and lived but a short time. I was not tenting with him at the time. He was the third of my Camp Sullivan tentmates to die. This ink is simply awful, and Gunnison, who is writing out of the same bottle, is expressing his opinion very freely. That sprig of geranium you sent me was a fragrant reminder of home. I will enclose a sprig of cedar from a tree just in front of my tent. When I can, I gather a quantity of these cedar branches for a bed. A dear little baby rabbit just came running into this tent, and we caught him. The little rascal's confidence, if that is what led him here, was well placed. When I get through petting him, I'll take him out into the woods and turn him loose in the safest place I can find. Letter 56 White Oak Swamp, Virginia, May 26, 1862 We are camped now some ways beyond Bottom Bridge, across the Chickahominy. We have had a pretty strenuous time of it for the past week or two, a good part of the time wallowing through swamps, and our grub supply is very irregular and uncertain. I have had very little to eat besides hard crackers. My first move when I get out of the wilderness will be to get a good square meal with all the fixings. In getting to this point, we have, a good part of the time, been literally plowing through swamp mud. Sometimes, where the road ran through a particularly bad morass, the road was built up and retained by logs along the side, upon which we picked our way after a fashion. But when one slipped or lost his balance, it was a serious matter and when we marched in the night-time it was a double terror. The night we arrived at Bottom Bridge, about midnight and dark as Egypt, I was absolutely cased in mud, and my gun as well, 
and i had to lie down as i was and wait for daylight to get down to the river for a clean-up we are now camped on a hill in the swamp poplar hill in a nice clean field of clover it is going to rain right away but we have pitched our tent with extra care have dug a good trench around it to carry the water off unless we have a flood it rains very often and the other day we had the fiercest hailstorm i ever saw the stones were very large and came down like cannon-balls i was out of camp and got behind a house but was well pelted for all that when i read the new call for more troops i gave up all idea of a speedy return home we expect a battle here before richmond any day but whether we will get into it or not depends on circumstances our camp strategists have got it figured out that we will be used to cut off the retreat of the rebel forces at fort darling End of section eighteen